0: Fire up that cool tchotchke that you bought at Pier 1 to summon the uh, space kitty cats. It's your Please, A Hateful
1: Voyage Through the Delta Quadrant. My name is Joseph. And I'm the hot blonde hiding out in your beach simulator, Peter. <laughs> oh, Peter, you are our celebrity. You're our your Please celebrity. You're our, the face of our meme template. I'm a big fucking deal right now, man. It's my it's my five minutes in the spotlight. <laughs>
0: Yeah. In case you're not a member of the future Please Trauma Support Group, possibly the only reason to have a Facebook account anymore, dude. Uh, for real, like, <laughs> <I'm> s- <laughs> oh,
1: a it too really much. is the, Realness. the age, <laughs> Like all my other secret nerd groups are basically defunct. It's just which shade of Star Trek fandom do I want to engage in and and that's it <laughs> but uh me more Darius uh, reclaimed his throne by
0: basically creating a uh Peter Drake meme template uh. <laughs> talking about his preferences for harry Kim related temporal episodes and it was
1: uh fifteen out of ten best best I've ever seen can't wait to see that getting abused and potentially getting me in trouble with law enforcement. <laughs> the way the internet my friend of course (laughs)
0: so we uh welcome you back from our uh our season five uh rip and our special review of galaxy quest we hope you enjoyed all that and we've resumed our journey uh now into season six peter what did we watch
1: well before we get into business man uh, let's just throw a, a little line out there you should be listening to this episode after the posting of our Galaxy Quest Patreon special content because we're nice dudes who are also lazy dudes that like to get a free podcast out there. We already didn't. Yeah, put one in the kitty. So we want to take a week off, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, we got to do a new Patreon special project, so you've got a good idea for something outside of the normal voyager wheelhouse throw it up on the trauma support group or send us an email at uh at gmail.com have you got any email on that lately no 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 one emails us uh no one no one sends us dms We're we're boomers so it's facebook groups <laughs> or nothing <laughs> Uh, anyways, you got a good idea for something for us to review, talk about, uh, get too deep on, throw it up there. Maybe we'll we'll grab the subject, the suggestion, and run with it. Uh, but for right now, Joe, let me formally welcome you into season six, episode one, with Equinox Part Two. As we stand in the beginning of season six, and I look back on all of the work that you and I have done covering. Um, the first five seasons we are now in the back half we're in the home stretch uh, if we're talking TNG we are in the best of the best season uh, and it's, it's starting to scare me a little Joe Voyager has become a part of my life you know we're doing this week in week out I'm making my wife deal with this bullshit uh, back when we could go out <laughs> into public and interact with people I'd talk to other nerds about it and, and kind of bond over the, the hidden nuggets of Voyager nerddom. And I think I'm genuinely going to be pretty sad when it's time for the show to go away. Like uh like an STD touching my noggy <laughs> But that, that I can at least say, well, you know, parts of that parts of getting that were, were good. The other parts now I'm stuck with this. <laughs> no, it Terrible stigma, yeah, yeah. It was... hmm. Puss. But I will say, uh, and we did a lot of reflecting
0: a couple of weeks back when we did our our rip. Overall, uh, Voyager is improved as time has gone on. Uh, there has been a a rise in the median quality of the show. Uh, I I completely understand it growing on you. It it uh, it has its charms, and I've always thought that it has Um, but as we go through the show i just i I maintain the thought that voyager's reputation for being the kind of turning point when trek went from the ascendant sci-fi pop culture property to kind of not anymore is still deserved uh, you know, I think about the heights of TNG around this season five, season to six period, and I think about what the show was able to do in season five and where it's going in season six. And there's good episodes, there's great episodes, there's just, just a lot of like B minus C plus bullshit, and a lot of things that continue to play out in the same way. That so many episodes do for Voyager, which is great idea, bad execution, or they just kind of missed on it. It just didn't quite work or they didn't want to commit to really like investing in their own continuity or making you feel like this is a universe that's lived in. And here we are with, in my opinion, another great example of an episode that was really close to being great and instead was kind of a B minus. You know who would agree with you,
1: Joe? Oh, uh, would that be Ron Moore? <laughs> because, oh boy. <laughs> you cannot watch this episode. We cannot talk about this episode without first acknowledging the fact that Ron Moore, who was the the showrunner for DS9, right, has... Yeah. Has wrapped up DS Nine and has folded into the Voyager's writing room, which is interesting because when you look at Equinox, like his name is not up front and center on the credits. This is going to be Brand Bradshaw, uh, Joe Manowski teleplay; uh, those two plus Rick Berman on the story, directed by David Livingston. No mention um, up front on on Ronald, but you feel the influence and there's a a very different tone and I feel like some real wild shit goes on in this episode, which would be a great setup for change for lasting change. But because there is not lasting change that is going to come from this instead, it just feels like some real wild mood swings and silliness. It's almost like a view into the
0: Voyager that could have been in a weird way. Like, You can see where he wanted to go and you can, your mind can explore those vistas. And they're very appealing to people like you and me, right? Who I think we have dwelled almost excessively on some of the very themes that Ron Moore obviously picked up on here in, uh, you know, late 1999 when this came out. Uh, He was vibing where we're vibing, uh, but he found out the hard way and very quickly that people making this show were not interested in doing
1: what it is that he wanted to do. So here's my question to you. Did, did he just never watch an episode of Voyager before? Like how can you be a big shot muckety muck in the Star Trek universe? Right. Again, he he was show running DS nine. This isn't some guy who's making the boss coffee. Like this is, this dude's got juice and to be so, either naive about what impact you could have on the writer's room in Voyager or just completely out of touch with the reality of what the Voyager product was intended to be uh, for him to have such a spectacular conflict. Pause one moment.
0: I'm going to answer that question in a second. I just want to share this with you, Peter. I have my elderly Hitler cat. Yeah. And he did not like that I closed the door so much that he was in here. You heard him? Yeah. <laughs> he was making a racket outside the door because his bed is in here. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, it was like an old man, like, let me in. Yeah. I'm not. That's, it was that. This was amazing. All right. Yep. All right, buddy. I get you, buddy. I understand you. Trust me. Okay. All right. So we've solved that problem. To your point. I can't answer the lack of self-awareness, which is what you're or or at least, I don't know, of you know, you know what? Self-awareness might be right. I can't answer his lack of awareness of what we now know Voyager is. It could be that because he felt like he knew these guys, that it was just, you know, that he just needed to be there and he'd be able to quote unquote fix it. That kind of professional hubris I don't think would be uncalled for given that he was in fact a guy who was high up in the star trek production food chain you know he knew these he knew these guys personally he had a relationship with them he may have over overthought what impact he could have um, or he could have just not known because he was too invested in doing his show right like he wasn't involved with voyager he you know talk with these guys i'm sure now and then but the, the Voyager was able to, to essentially write out of their own playbook and never have to worry about what DS9 was doing, so they had no reason to really work together. So for the last several years, they've been cordial professional colleagues in the same you know Trek production universe in Paramount, but not involved with each other in the way that maybe he really knew. Uh, but regardless, Ron Moore clearly did not know what he was getting himself into, and – he lasted exactly three episodes. This and the next two. The only one where he has actually sole story, uh, write, writing credit, is uh, as episode two. Um, but as we said from the jump, his DNA, his fingerprints are all over this, and I I think that the sh- the good parts of the episode are that um. And we'll we'll get to some specifics, but there's a the underlying conflict between Chakotay and Janeway that plays out during this episode that is great. Something that you and I have called for jokingly repeatedly. I wasn't for years. joking. <laughs> yeah, or semi-jokingly, maybe not on. <laughs> maybe I was you're not real, joking though. at all. <laughs> and, and then everything with ransom, I think, ends up paying off very well because of the direction they go on with that. Uh, classic Voyager mistakes. The episode probably needed like six more minutes, a couple extra scenes to fucking explain itself a little bit better. It's, a, it's another uh, would have been a B
1: plus. Instead, it's a B minus uh, circumstance. So we ended up <clears throat> in Equinox part one with uh, the Equinox having just ganked the special new Ghostbusters force field generator uh, from Voyager. Um, the crew had busted out of confinement on Voyager because evil EMH brought him a suitcase full of guns. They shot their way out. They beamed off. They never were, you know, Voyager never thought to beam them back over, even though they were sharing a shield bubble. I want to say, didn't they kick Voyager's warp drive offline somehow? I don't think they, they did so, like for a long
0: term it was just so they could kind of scoot away right they but kinda, there was some interference with their
1: propulsion yeah they tripped them and off they flew and when they took off they had also in the process abducted seven of nine kind of accidentally um and they had stranded voyager behind them to be eaten up by ghosts we saw some space buttholes opening on the bridge and Janeway getting charged by one of the little ghost people. Uh, My general feelings on that previous episode, and you can go back for the full breakdown, but was that ransom left a lot to be desired. I think that uh, the performances and the stories left a lot on the table and the whole thing came off feeling a little two dimensional and, and too cut and dry that Voyager good Equinox bad. They,
0: they felt like they rushed it a little bit, which it was just not enough time was spent
1: allowing you to have any nuance. So we were in agreement there. So we open up in episode one, Equinox part two, with Janeway engaging in her favorite pastime, and that is shooting a laser into a spatial fissure to fix a problem. Uh, First time we really got treated to that (laughs) was way back in the candy corn tragedy uh, time and again. Just like the old days of season one. And uh, yeah, things are not going good on the bridge. These little goblins are flying out. Now, back in Equinox part, we'll call this the scorpion effect, right? Because we watch the bad guys, be it space goblins or uh, species 8472. When the space goblins hit the Equinox crew members, it's a one hit instant kill with some really grotesque shit going on. When eight four seven two hit the Borg, the cubes just blew up at the at the mere glance of uh of the space Mewtwo's. But here you get Chicote and Janeway both get body checked by these space goblins, and no one dies. I mean, they just you know, they, they pop their uh their plot armor,
0: dude. They just tore that permanent willpower, and they're good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just what happens when you're a main character. That shit that kills everybody else it just gives, get brush you back a little bit, give you a, give you a touch of bad makeup for the next few scenes. You know, because you're it, all you know,
1: you're all wrinkly. <laughs> what kills anybody else just makes your cheek kind of look like a ball sack in cold water. <laughs> for any of you ladies out there, who do not have balls. <laughs> Trust us. It's like if you're that. ever wondering what a scrotum looks like in cold water, look at Chakotay's cheek or Janeway's face in uh, the majority of this episode, and it's a pretty dead ringer. I, and again, maybe this is Ron Moore, but I thought those would have been some pretty cool scars to last the rest of the series as a a stinging reminder of what happens when the Federation betrays its principles. I understand, you know, that would have been a pain in the ass and not at all what Voyager's about, but as far as cool scars go, those, those could have been some good ones. So, um, the bridge and the rest of the crew gets besieged by space goblins. Janeway has a last minute idea to make the, uh, Deflector dish shit itself or something and it reinforces the shields enough to repulse the space goblins, but uh it's too little too late. We end up with thirteen wounded and two dead, and it's been a while since we've had any Voyager crew die.
0: I wanna say it's probably been since Oh, did any of the crew
1: die in the killing games episodes? Do you think think they had to have, right? No.
0: Like the Herogen had to have killed somebody.
1: No, and actually, I want to say that the um, the memory alpha will cite uh, in continuity. Where is it? Okay, uh, I want to say the memory alpha will actually say the last death that occurred was uh, back in the fourth season, which was one. And one was... That was uh, when uh, seven and nine had to stay awake while everybody else was in cryo sleep. And one oh, of that's the two- right.
0: That's when that's when uh, Jerry Ryan's body double got aced, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what that's what killed her. So Voyager crew's been having a good run, but but no more. The space goblins get them. And we've gotten, uh some scenes of Janeway very determinedly walking through the halls with her compression rifle. We'll see a corpse of one of the space goblins, and she is super duper upset. Now, back in part one, I said that I felt that the use of space goblins instead of something more humane like um, Ocampa, some, some very human thing that we really feel the evil coming off of the crew, that the lack, by using little space puppets as the victims, made a little bit harder to vilify ransom in my book. Um, Janeway doesn't seem to agree with that at all in this. And I would say she comes off with more anger and venom uh, towards his actions in this than seemed like it would have been possible by the setup they did in the first one. Granted, she's also scooted off with her science project seven of nine, but I feel like they have Janeway jump off the deep end way too early in this.
0: I agree with you. And that's where I'm saying this episode needed an extra six minutes. I can buy Janeway getting to a place where her anger makes more sense in terms of the story. We'll get into justified uh, when we start to talk about her actual actions. But in terms of, of drawing the line, so to speak, from uh, disappointed, you know, this betrayal just happened to i am now willing to start doing increasingly monstrous things if that means i'm going to get justice and there that there is a gap there essentially of explaining why the fuck she's this angry they try to try to fill in those those gaps with a scene that she later has with chakotay in the ready room uh but it's not enough there isn't a core betrayal, except of the idea of Starfleet principles. And I guess that's what you're supposed to buy. That the Equinox acting like a band of marauders murdering, you know, space goblins to get home is the reason. Um, okay. I I think that that's probably good enough, but I just that we didn't see that kind of sketched out in the story where I, I felt like Janeway's rise to that level of
1: anger was supported by by what we saw on screen she has all the wrath of a jilted lover and i feel that it's missing that personal connection for her to to have the venom that she
0: does like maybe like if she had served with ransom or like ransom was her first captain when she was like in a lieutenant or something you know and like admired him she was he was some kind of mentor you know uh, like some kind of connection, she she
1: stuck her neck out on the line for him at some point in the past. There needed to be that personal spite. Yeah. There needed to be a connection between the two of them that,
0: that spoke to a betrayal that went deeper than just ethics because they've had a plenty of ethical conundrums on this show. And, you know, this level of anger for some people that you don't know, like even if you do think like, oh, they're giving the Federation a bad name and they're acting in a way that I personally distaste, like she was barely this angry at the fucking Borg, you know, like give me a break.
1: Like, come on, <laughs> come <Yeah>. on, Catherine. <laughs> Absolutely. Like it I I feel for the the level she's at. Given the fact she had never known him prior to this he should have been fucking around with Omega particles or something. Yeah. Like They're this just... really needs to be an, ome- an Omega level threat. Yeah. There, there you go. Like a, a big fucking deal. And I, again, it's, it's Chakotay would have had to die in that attack for me to respect the level of crazy hate she's got, but she's rolling through the hallway. Uh, they get to sick bay and we have what is supposed to look like a really crowded sick bay and said it's a person in each bed and, And then people strategically placed in the worst places possible on the floor, including directly in front of the doorway. So anybody walking will just trip over him. I used to have a dog and when I'd sleep he'd lay directly up against the door. So if someone opened the door it'd bang into him and he I'm guessing that was like the guard dog bred into him. That's how (laughs) security that's how security has arranged dead and injured crewmen on the floor. Everybody's got their hands full and we find out that Equinox, for all their terrible war crimes, was kind enough to leave behind the piece of 29th century hyper technology with uh, the EMH still loaded in it. Uh,
0: it's Neelix who finds the EMH. I think it's Neelix's only scene. Uh, he finds the mobile emitter, takes it back to sick bay they activate the doctor, and. We know as the audience that it's actually the EMH from the Equinox, but he's physically exactly the same looking as uh, the Voyager EMH. And he starts you know, treating everybody, but has that sort of suspicious eye raise observation of what's going on around him and is clearly a little bit off. But they don't really move that forward quite uh, right away. And this scene in Sick Bay between Janeway and Chakotay is kind of where they start to Put together the, the main conflict, which is going to be that Chicote, you know, hey, we need to stop these aliens from attacking us. We need to maybe find some way to communicate with them, um, deal with this issue before we do anything else. And Janeway's like, no,
1: fuck that. We're going to go find ransom. We're going to kill his ass. Well, there's an exchange there that stood out to me. You know, she's like, oh, gosh, we can kind of hear what the message is and it sounds garbled crap or whatever. Like, this is going to be hard. And then Chakotay goes, well, I once figured out how to communicate with a Trellian sea pod so I can figure this out. It's like, how about last season when, like, you talked to chaotic space and broke the deal <laughs> together? Yeah, <laughs> use your dream powers, bro. Come on. Why, why are we <laughs> making up you talking to dolphins when you've got a perfect example of doing just this very kind of long distance diplomacy why, why do they refuse to talk about that? Granted, the fight was awful or the flight, as I like to call it, but you've, you've got these great examples. Use them. Uh, we also get a nice uh, up close shot of what we'll call the ball sack facial damage. And I'll say at this point, I'm not really. No, no, I do have my notes. Yeah, doctor is definitely evil. So <laughs> I don't know if they were <laughs> if they were trying to trick us uh, or
0: not, but. The next scene is on the equinox. Uh, Ransom is like chilling in his like uh, beach, like brain simulator. They got this little like synaptic thing that they can put on your neck to kind of like see vistas. And this one happens to be, you know, Southern California. (laughs) (laughs) He turns it off because uh, uh, seven of nine is brought in by, by his goons. And he's like, Hey, how about uh, you help us out? Help us get home, huh? Wouldn't that be great? How about you do that? And she's like, mm, no, nah, you uh, you seem terrible. And then he's like, why don't I like sort of creepily do this thing with your hair? She, she's like, oh, yeah, that's that's kind of reinforcing that I think you're shit. And uh, then he says like, all right, well, you know, take her to sick bay, check, check her injuries, and then take her to the brig. And uh, the scene in the, Sick Bay is when uh they find out that the voyager emh is actually still on the equinox because he was foiled by a pad and is like what the fuck what am i doing here
1: uh, uh commander burke's just like oh cool now you can just treat her <laughs> like, i like to call tricorder. this entire exchange um and i quote the one time seven doesn't go on a rampage <laughs>
0: Yeah, the one time she doesn't start like bodying people and begin, a, beginning an active shooter
1: situation. One time she does not fuck the entire ship up and make everybody her bitch. You know, I. it's a wild inconsistency and that's the problem when you set such a high power level on a character season four, she was infallible. She was unstoppable and and nobody could get in her way. I mean, she's fucking up erosion She's beaten Borg's ass. You know, you get in her way and she doesn't like you and you're going to get tossed into an ensign. And then at some point, she just becomes like this damsel in distress that needs help. I mean, she got her ass kicked a fair amount in season five, like uh, the other evil. It's the second time, I guess, the EMH has victimized her in recent memory. The first time being, uh, what was that, Warhead, right? Yes um but I, anytime someone has her at phaser point it just comes off as so weak and so silly i especially these guys who are malnourished and all their shit's fucked up like i feel like she should have just gone terminatrix and and shot the join up but yeah, she well, does it peter peter they grabbed her on her arm and as
0: we know from television if you grab a lady on the arm that that makes it so they can't do anything Mm. It's a great trope. There's a there's a YouTube video that shows like all these ridiculous situations where suddenly someone is rendered helpless because someone has grabbed them roughly on the arm. Because <laughs> it's like it's hard to do kinetic action on screen
1: on a small budget. So that's all they do. And here I thought the Vulcan nerve pinch was the strongest grip available <laughs> to the Star Trek universe. I stand corrected. Um, time goes a little weird. With this, uh, with this uh, seven and nine hostage situation, right? We'll later come to find out that um, Equinox has grabbed a couple more space goblins and crushed them down into go juice. Ransom's ready to sink them into the Mister Fusion, hooked up to the warp core, so they can, uh, you know, shoot forward to the next jump gate or whatever however these burst transactions work and as they go to punch it we find out that before seven of nine could be subdued down in engineering she somehow encrypted the systems so these trash cans they've got hot wired onto the side of the warp core um, will not function and the equinox is going to be stuck at its maximum warp six Uh, ransom goes into this interrogation eh, kind of an interrogation says listen you got the codes we need them back she's like no uh ransom plays the listen you know borg efficiency you understand that what i'm doing is uh just trying to 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 be as efficient as possible and the ends justify the means and she's like well too bad for you uh it took me three sis, uh seasons of having to play out the same story over and over again, but it finally stuck. And now I'm a good person who does not value Borg efficiency anymore. And you're a, you're a bad man with your bad touch. I don't want to help you. And he says, well, I'm going to have the EMH help me pull the information I need out of you. And in the process, he disables the EMH's ethical subroutines and turns them into another Mr. Hyde, like the first evil, emh we saw that was still over on voyager and says um you know we can dig out that ocular implant or whatever that big brass chunk is in your frontal lobe and extract the information we need but it's going to turn you into like a vegetable. vegetable yeah yeah so it seems to me like it should be a pretty straightforward process because the doctor's like oh it'll only be a couple hours yet over the course of this it almost seems like we go through a week or two of action but Uh, Discussing this plot thread as a whole, I was disappointed, and even the EMH will come to say it, that A, you know, the only thing standing between the doctor being your friend and a reasonable person is one ethical subroutine. Like, you get rid of his ethics, and all of a sudden he is ignoring all of his allegiances and loyalties. He's following rogue commanders and committing you know mengla level space experiments
0: that is the other part of this episode that needed extra time to me i completely agree with you that the the idea that they were just like two keyboard punches away from turning the doctor into a supervillain with with zero hesitation did a tremendous disservice for his character and the fact that he was just kind of like oh that was pretty disconcerting there at the end while yes. reflecting on it was just like there needed to be some scene where either that what i had in mind is just a, like you know this is this is the doctor's best friend right someone he's secretly in love with seven of nine and he's he's essentially turning them into a vegetable to serve a bunch of mass murderers and there needed to be a moment where where Seven is like try, trying to get through to him and appealing to you know their relationship and you know drawing on all that stuff that is good continuity of like I have turned into a better person and I now I'm making an emotional appeal in the somewhat limited way into which I am now capable of doing, and where he like has that lane where he's expressing like I can't I'm trying to stop I'm making this take longer. Because that's all I can I can manage, right? Like communicate that, right? We need to – I'm trying to buy Janeway time to stop me because I'm not fully – in like my program is ex- expanded enough where the deletion of my ethical subroutines doesn't completely stop me. But it's – I'm still under the control of this computer and so I can't not
1: do it, but I can do it as slowly as I can. Like you, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, here's what I would have liked. Let me rewrite this. Okay. Ransom thinks he can just turn off the ethics, and now he's going to have the EMH do whatever he wants because their EMH was far inferior to theirs. Ransom turns off the EMH's uh, ethics, and then the doctor, like, instantly slits someone's throat with a scalpel, and now that he's (laughs) not bound by that, goes on this semi-limited rampage of fucking people up because he doesn't want to be there he wants to free his friend and this there's the real thing the ethics are doing is stopping the hologram from being a mass murderer right and then (laughs) they go oh shit turn him off (laughs) <laughs> it's too late, I've learned my skills to the best, I yeah, call bust, this the suitor. Bust <laughs> just, someone over the head with the pipe.
0: Exactly, just like all of a sudden he just picks one up, there's plenty of space debris around, it's like, you've left me with the most powerful weapon in the universe, this is full on bam! He,
1: they, they turn him off, and then, and then uh, Ransom says uh, computer, reinitialize EMH with shackles force it to comply and they bring him back on with a a third party program actively forcing his hand. And we see the distress in him as now he's forced to comply. And it keeps him human while still highlighting his, his inhuman limitations, right? Not just, Hey, I'm going to take away your ethics. And now you're totally cool with aiding me and torturing the woman you love and all this other bad stuff. You're absolutely, unless the goal of this was to say, Hey, all the character development and humanization we've made you come along with us on the doctor really is just all bullshit. And his program tricking you, he really is just a flat image. And you move one part out of focus and you can have something this crazy happen. And right on the heels of Warhead, that seems like a real big step back. I, I would say that's a that yeah. huge botch on this episode. Agreed, and it would didn't have to be that way if there was just some way
0: for them to have communicated in the story that the Doctor was resisting, in a limited capacity, right? That's all it would have taken to retain so much of his progress, but instead, this like made him out to be an automaton,
1: like and enjoy more. harming her too. Like the yeah. absence of his ethics introduced sadism to the play. Like, I would say he was just as evil in this as he was in the Darkling. And that was real shitty to see. Uh, you know, Ultimately, she'll come out with any sort of brain damage and, and completely unscathed. Because, yeah, you know. like he tortures
0: her by making her sing. And it's gleeful for him. Mm-hmm. You know, like any excuse to have Jerry Ryan sing for you, I guess. But it's this – it's almost over the top. And it would have been, again, completely justified if it was something the doctor was doing specifically to buy time for some kind of intervention you know, yeah. delaying it. And that like it fed into the idea that his ethics had been deleted, but he was still finding a way to like accomplish his goal of
1: not doing this thing that he's being forced to do. But anyway, instead it's just a big deal out of it because he is I would say easily the best, most developed Voyager character uh on the cast. So it's just it's a shame to see that much of a mishandle, and I'm curious. One of our
0: favorite, yeah, one of our favorite episodes from last season was the pivotal Doctor, uh, you know, growth episode where he learns to actually deal with this conflict in his program by coming to terms with a moral choice he made, which is something like an emergence of sentience beyond programming like a complexity that that suggests he's a true intelligence rather than a complex piece of software, right? And it's a huge deal because Janeway, like, cops to the fact that they had to let him do it and that it takes a while, but he makes it. He does it. He finds a way to make it there. And then, beep, boop, you're a monster now. Okie dokes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Way to go, guys. <laughs> Thanks.
1: Uh, I also want to touch on a thing real quick here uh ransom so is is the 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 underlying thread in all this that ransom is a coward his tactics when confronted with enemies whether it's the klingons or the romulans is to hide he has a very stressful situation uh on the ship he seems to go into this escapist beach simulator a lot he's got a easy way to get home at a great cost and rather than do the hard thing which is slowly make your way home like voyagers he's he's taking shortcuts like is that is he a weak person is he a coward is that what they're basically putting on the table i don't know if i would say that it is
0: okay I don't know about coward so much as not conflict oriented. I think that the ending, this goes back to something I said during the rip about it's easy to die for a reason. It's hard to die for no reason. You know, his, the character journey of ransom is that he saw no choice but for him to do the monstrous things he did because he didn't want to confront the idea that him and his crew would just slowly bleed out in the middle of the Delta Quadrant, tens of thousands of light years from home for no reason. And he confined himself to these choices that were terrible by telling himself he didn't really have one because the alternative was so unthinkable. And now even though that alternative is no longer the only one on the table, he's locked himself into that. Because he doesn't want to confront it, I don't know if I would call that cowardice. Because in the end, he actually does confront that, and he bites the he bites the bullet, right? Like he says, "I'm gonna I'm gonna save my people, and I'm gonna die in the process, and I'm gonna I'm gonna own up to this choice that I made by making a better one." Uh, it's it's more the banal and very human proleddiction for ra- self rationalization of poor choices and that's why i really like it that's why i always liked his character because he's more realistic he's not the superheroic, heroic perfect starfleet captain he's kind of a squirrely dude who's very willing just to hide in nebulas and you know not do the really hard you know make the hard choices but somewhere deep inside him is that capacity
1: It'll play out interesting uh, as as things go. I think a lot's done to redeem his character as far as interesting in my eyes, and his interplays with the Doctor and Seven are a big part of that. And the reason I mentioned the coward thing is, you know, as Seven kind of tells him off and forces him to confront the easy ways out that he's taking, even having, you know, a, a, a very two-dimensional, evil cardboard cutout of the Doctor say... Oh, it's your only choice. Like, you know, he's like, oh, yeah. And like, that's enough to keep him going and kind of hold his sanity for the moment. Back on Voyager, we've got uh, the first attempt to try and reconcile things with the aliens. They've got a message they're going to play. And as a show of goodwill, they're going to drop the shielding around the bridge and invite basically the um, the space goblins over to 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 bring him to the negotiations table and as they're getting ready to do it we have a very Chicote moment where he goes all right guys put your guns away someone needs to be the first uh to to show a real sign of diplomacy and Janeway just shuts his ass down like uh, belay that order we're gonna have guns out and pointed so we really <laughs> express how serious <laughs> we are about peace I guess and <laughs> It's it's the
0: it's the first real inflection point of the conflict between Janeway and Chakotay of like we will come in peace. Janeway's like fuck peace. We come armed. It's like we're beaming
1: into uh the the office of a planet's president. We come with guns. It's a great episode for Chakotay and a real bad episode for Janeway. Oh yeah. Because I would say Chakotay rides deep on his what we, what we would think his character Bible is, right? He's sticking to his DNA and Janeway is just so deep in crazy town and acting so uncharacteristic that, uh, again, I really think that there should be some consideration that she's under an alien influence at this point for as erratic as she's behaving. But at this point, it's still kind of mess. The The Chakotay-Janeway conflict is hands down the best part of this episode
0: it is because we've seen the two of them kind of evolve in terms of their relationship over the course of these five uh going into six seasons so we're far more invested in that than the story of someone like Ransom who we know isn't going to be long for the show he's a guest star he's clearly probably going to be out you know one way or the other after this episode i really like his story but I'm not invested, right? Like this is this is the thing. This could
1: have court. lasting consequences. It it it's and it's even portrayed in a way that it should,
0: because it isn't just you know. First, it's Janeway wants to do okay. I'll I'll try to communicate, but we're doing it with guns. That doesn't work. Okay, Chakotay's like, all right, let's try this again. And Janeway's like, now nah, we go on and we're gonna go get Equinox. Now we've we did it. We tried your thing and it didn't work. They have their first sort of back and forth on in, in the ready room where she like expresses like, yeah, I'm angry. I'm pissed. I want to fucking get this guy because he's a Starfleet captain and he is doing dirt and I will not stand for it again. kind of feels a little displaced because there isn't a personal connection. It's just apparently entirely on ethics, which is
1: just kind of thin. It just is. There's another and- beat that gets missed here too. And I didn't realize it until right now, but all of her anger purely based on the fact that you have a someone who took the Starfleet oath doing bad things because uh of their own warped ethics. Like it's this direct mirror to the Maquis and Chicote. Chicote was a Starfleet officer. Chicote turned his back on Federation and, and Starfleet principles and went off and did terrible terrorist shit and murdered people and did bad stuff. So like all the stuff she's accusing ransom of, you know, she's got embodied in Chakotay and that's a lot of hypocrisy. And again, they don't, you know, Chakotay could have been like, listen, you got this crazy hate for him. Like, you know, is that the same hate you Harbor for me and the rest of the, the Starfleet Maquis and the crew, or, you know, have you seen past that and seen that people can change and get better? Like that would have been a big mess to bring out on screen and, and certainly not enough for one episode to cover, but, uh it's becomes this real complex situation. They call these animal the space goblins in. They don't shoot, but the things shriek and then fly away. Uh, it's during this scene that you really notice how much damage Voyager's taken in these attacks. It seems uh it seems like a lot. Based on what the space, go- like, I get the space goblins can melt people, but maybe the space goblins only melt people on the equinox and on Voyager, they leave huge scorch marks on the wall, <laughs> <laughs> tear the ceiling down. But uh, the bridge takes a lot of damage through a couple interactions with these things. Yeah, um,
0: th- there, there are surprisingly, like, the, over the course of the episode, growing areas of of damage, right? They, they seem to make a real production point of like, that this is this continued problem is putting stress stress on the ship. And we're going to show that physically in the background without calling too much attention to it.
1: You know, it just kind of happens. And it also kind of acknowledges the fact that Janeway's willing to cut off her nose despite her face. Like, yeah, she wants to get ransom and she gets like this crazy. I feel like, so often lately Voyager has been going to the Moby Dick trope of the deranged captain. Who's yeah. has from their little I stab at the, yeah. yeah, yeah. I And get it's it. like, okay, well you're letting your ship fall apart around you as you, you go after this one thing. Um, we start to learn about ransom's history of hiding from problems that clues, uh, Janeway to the fact that he might be, hiding in the low orbit somewhere and they they try to pinpoint it there's a couple more bouts of sparring between her and chakotay where chakotay like listen we need to fix this problem and he kind of pleads his case and uh she gets more and more forceful with her reactions to the very reasonable things he's putting on and it's it's interesting again like chakotay becomes the most interesting when he's got a female antagonist to play off of whether it's seska uh or his crazy borg girlfriend or seven of nine or apparently now janeway when's the last time oh scorpion would have been the last time he really was at odds with janeway and there will be a throwaway line in there later on like you know you've never openly defied or defied one of my orders before and it's like
0: Actually, yes, he did so when you were incapacitated in Scorpion Part Two. It was the whole he, thing.
1: He he shot all your Borg buddies out of the airlock. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's...
0: he he hated the Borg, and you you didn't that day for some reason to the regret of everyone in the Delta Quadrant. Anyway, yeah. uh, so the we we've kind of summed up a lot of what already happens on the Equinox. You know, they're trying to 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 get their alien go-juice kitten murdering machine, UAC Helltech, working. Uh, And the doctor is torturing Seven of Nine to eventually get them there. Uh, The the sequence of events are essentially uh, uh, Elder Vampire and Extra are on the surface of this planet trying to find Deuterium. And uh, Chakotay's uh, terrorist (laughs) ambush background finally comes in handy and they ambush these two and whisk them back up to the ship in a a bag man mission. And uh, the evil EMH actually makes contact with the Equinox to say, hey, yo, boss, uh, Voyager uh, is on to you. They know where you are and they've polarized their hull plating so that you can't detect them. Uh, with your sensors, they going to get you. And so they uh, get wise at the last second so that they can uh, get their weapons online to put up a fight and eventually uh, like use the atmosphere to sort of like dip under it to force Voyager to, to, to break off his
1: pursuit. So they yeah, can get like away. It's a game of chicken that works out pretty well. A um, couple things on this. Uh, one, the CG work in the ship battles and, and all the ship shots really is top notch, I felt in this episode. It's really cool seeing other Starfleet vessels on screen. I think the special effects budget is there, and it's clear that whoever they brought over to maybe help from visual effects on Deep Space Nine knew what they were doing when it came to ship-to-ship combat. Uh, the Nova class, I think, looks really cool and really great on screen, and it's very enjoyable watching this play out. Also, the model of the
0: Nova class that like the the actual model for the Equinox really at great attention to detail that it's all fucked up. Right. Yeah. Like this, this, the ship is super fucked up on the inside, but also on the outside. You see like all these scorch marks and blown out bulkheads and like it's had a rough go. Right. Like it's it's still together, but not whole. And they make a point of the the model not being pristine on the outside as well. So So
1: here's the disconnect, though, is you have uh, Equinox, which is a little bullshit science vessel that was the replacement for the Oberth uh, Zeppelin explosion extravaganza, right? right? It's a science ship. Then you've got Voyager, which is anything from a deep space exploration vehicle to a A Dominion era warship, right? That's in great working order versus this other thing that was held together with popsicle sticks and duct tape, where Void or Janeway was just like, yeah, scrap this thing. And the Equinox holds its own in every fight they get in. Granted, later on, they're like cheating with some Generations style sneak us the shield frequency action, but like they're shooting torpedoes, they're shooting phasers as stingy as Voyager has supposedly been with using its photon torpedoes, like Equinox, which is supposed to be completely out of resources, has an infinite wealth of torpedoes to shoot at Voyager. And it's just like, you got, it, you it, got, it. you got the quarterback of the football team fighting, uh, uh a the science kicker. guy with polio, with polio. Right. Right. And instead it comes out looking like, uh, you know, some sort of popular, boxing match between two well-known names instead of one side just cleaning the floor with the other
0: i i like so we've postulated in the previously that you know there's just some there's some background that you can justify where voyager noting they're going to need more photon torpedoes you know makes a deal with some uh alien race that has similar technology to to make more photon torpedoes we just never saw that episode fine right like i can believe that but i just love the idea of this poor nova class ship that is desperately looking for all the resources it can and it's like going it's going from like room to room in the dungeon trying to find like a health potion and it just keeps finding torpedoes <laughs> <laughs> it's just like Damn, another 20 torpedoes, torpedoes. <laughs> Ah. <laughs> oh, I'm at six HP, but I've got eighty torpedoes. Oh no! Whatever, am I going to have use for these? Literally, there's a line in when they get into their second fight where they're like, "Yeah, we don't have phasers, but we got all the torpedoes <laughs> and fire."
1: <laughs> just yeah, rah- these are torpedoes. These these are these are torpedoes for science because we're a science <laughs> vessel. So <laughs> the whole secondary hull is just full of torpedoes. They, they get they do the ambush and at this point you've got the good emh and seven trapped on the equinox now we've got alpha vampire and one rando trapped on voyager and we get the best part of the episode which is janeway who is super off the deep end captain ahab time takes the alpha vampire and she's like listen tell me everything i want to know and he's like or what you're gonna hit me like I'm not, I'm not giving up the details on the captain and you can confine me to the brig or whatever, but, but no. And she's, you know, playing this bad cop angle and he looks over at Chakotay and he's like, well, now you're going to play good cop. And Chakotay is like, as far as I know, we don't have a script on this. And at that point I thought Chakotay was being kind of playful. I didn't realize that he was starting to establish uh, an outsider relationship with Janeway and like the idea
0: to- of Janeway breaking bad, like the idea that she gets pissed and how like uh camel group portrays it is, is good. I think it's unsupported by the, the script, but I have no problem with how she goes about it, particularly in this scene, like the line of we all make our own hell, Mr. Lessing like that. Oof,
1: that one was good. <laughs> had there been an alien influence pushing her to this extreme, had there been an earned blood hatred of ransom and we could justify her actions. Yeah, absolutely. No shade being thrown at Kate Mulgrew. This is, this is squarely a failure of the script. Everything she does, uh, her, her, um, descent into hatred and evil a plus and had this again had this been earned and had this been something that could last and we could have turned chakotay and janeway into enemies moving forward based on these events like there's some real savory meat on the bone here we this this is the stuff that could have really carried the next two seasons of plot uh but yeah instead
0: chakotay uh Starts to disapprove of Janeway's plan of I am going to unleash the (laughs) murder, the 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 aggrieved uh, space cats (laughs) upon the elder vampire. Uh, I'm not okay with this. And he tries to intercede. Janeway's locked out the computer. And again, the show has some brilliant moments, particularly in its camera work. There's a beat where he gets his phaser out. You don't know what he's going to do. Right. Like he just looks at her and gets his gad out and you're like, are you going to shoot your boss? Like this is Voyager. We shoot our bosses here. That does happen. But like, what are you going to (laughs) do? Which was cool because they just, the way it was framed and the way like you had Beltran, like looking kind of at Janeway, you're like, you don't know what he's going to do. You don't know what he's considering, but instead he turns around and goes back inside the uh, cargo bay and closes the rifts with the phaser and, and pulls Lessing out, throws him up against the bulkhead and be like, OK, you did it, buddy. You're loyal to your captain. How about instead of selling him out, you give me information about the aliens that taught you how to summon these fools in the first place? And Janeway, the, the way they show her discontent with what he's doing is that he she just walks in between them and leaves the scene. Without saying anything, it's just so good. Like all of this is so good in terms of the performance, and just like they're doing things they never do with with just the the body language and the facial expressions and just the unspoken parts of the performance. And uh, it's a shame there isn't more shit like this.
1: This is A plus Chakotay stuff. I mean, this is right in his wheelhouse. It's ethics. It's disobedience. It's uh, doing the right thing no matter the cost. Uh, we've seen this kind of stuff out of them before in scorpion and all i could say in my notes is fuck yes chakotay i was really excited to see where this was gonna go um there is a staff meeting and uh they lay out on the table that they're gonna go and try and find these uh the aliens who introduced equinox to the space goblins uh and that lessings the one who spilled the beans we get a what I thought was foreshadowing from the evil EMH. And he's like, uh, did any of the other plans get revealed? And I was like, oh damn, evil EMH is going to go kill this guy with the hypo spray. That because again, my assumption is you're never going to see these people pass this episode, that Ransom's going to die and everybody on Equinox is going to die. And that we're going to have to find a way to kill off the other Equinox members who are on the ship. And how better than a evil AI EMH who? Has access to a suitcase full of guns and hypa sprays full of poison. But uh, at the end of that, we get another confrontation between Janeway and uh, Chakotay, where she goes to put him on blast, and instead of he puts her on blast. And it's again, it's it's juicy stuff. She drops you know you've never openly disobeyed me because I don't remember Scorpion at all. <laughs> <laughs> and. <laughs> January makes it real clear that she is evil now. And I'm like, you know, we've talked a lot about maybe Chakotay needs to do some uh, some mutiny action. And if there's ever been a case for it, I would say it's this episode. And what what is, of course, the most stunning uh, part of
0: all of these revelations is that the scene is capped by Chakotay going, yeah, uh, Kathy, if you ever do anything like that again, I will mutiny. I'm going to. I am not going to let you do that. Like, I'm, I am I, don't know if you uh, are aware of this, but uh, I totally quit Starfleet and became a terrorist <laughs> out of an ethical regard for, you know, you know, what
1: I thought was the right thing to do. And uh, you're terrible now. Kathy, you better watch your ass, because I don't know if you've noticed or not, but they haven't played the bullshit Indian flute one time this episode. Uh, I'm being for real right now, and I will fuck this <laughs> shit up. I'll I'll be fuck for real for real i will fuck you and today's haircut right up uh so uh, he gets
0: he gets uh relieved of duty can find the quarters and is not seen until the very end of the episode after that scene
1: like straight up just like go go to space jail you're done yeah. now he gets a warrior's death uh they track down the ankari and that again is the race that introduced ransom and his crew to the um the high-octane space goblins. Janeway hails them, and they don't want to listen, so the Janeway's, like, slap a trance, or a a tractor beam on them, and then even Tuvok's like, hey, wait a minute, she's like, shut up. I put Chakotay (laughs) in the corner. Do you want to go in the corner, too? Very disappointed that you didn't have a stronger showing from Tuvok. You've never seen both... Tuvok and and Chakotay both unite against Janeway's wishes when she's acting crazy. And I think, again, this would have been a really good episode to finally bring that to fruition. But uh, Tuvok's balls shrink, and he's like, okay, Captain, we'll put him in a tractor beam, and then we have our little meeting with him. For as good as the Voyager one-off alien races have been and looked like these Ankaran are the complete antithesis. They've got these garbage bag masks that look terrible. They look They're very mouth- plasticky. Mm-hmm. They're not moving right. Like I, I
0: think they probably looked fine in episode one because those characters didn't talk. They were totally immobile. So it looked fine then. But then they're like, OK, so we've got this look and we've got this thing. And then they're like, OK, now they're going to have a dialogue. And there's just like the whole fucking thing moves when they're talking I'm like, oh, no, <laughs>
1: that doesn't look good at all. It did not look good at all.
0: The actual like I'm going to put you in jail uh, dialogue doesn't come up until the next scene, which is when the Ankari actually come on to Voyager to help them communicate with the aliens. When uh, Janeway breaks even further bad and it makes a deal with the aliens that they can destroy the equinox in exchange for not attacking uh voyager anymore and that voyager will help deliver that onto them but just to show like how dedicated she is to the task and also i think around this time is when ransom randomly has that scene where she he finds this strange blonde hot blonde woman in his his (laughs) mindscapes Like, oh, I wonder who that could be. I've certainly not met any attractive blonde ladies lately. I don't know who, why my subconscious could possibly be doing this.
1: Pay it no mind. I thought for a moment that somehow Seven of Nine had like gotten her consciousness in there to appeal to him. She says like, he's like, what are you doing in here? And she's like, oh, I'm hiding. Same thing as you. And I was like, is that really Seven of Nine like retreating to another place? No, Seven of Nine just completely useless, laid out on the table, being tortured by the doctor it's just a figment of Ransom's imagination.
0: Uh, it would have it would have been cool if like she had explained that, you know, because of the nature of the cortical stimulation simulation of that alien technology, allowed like her own cortical implant to broadcast to it to communicate with them or something.
1: Wow, like, what a great what, plot point that could have been, Joe.
0: Yeah, one look at that technobabble I ripped off in ten seconds. You know, like not hard, just so that like seven of nine had Had some agency yeah well I mean and it could have played up to you know a new aspect of her character of now she's the one attempting to bring the humanity out in someone because she's learned from Janeway and it's like the other side of the coin of like Janeway's breaking bad and doing all this bad shit while her her protege in Humanity, Seven of Nine, is actually learning from her prior example of, I'm going to try and convince this guy to do the right thing, because that's what I have been taught to do. I
1: it's mean, been what a while co- since we've plot doctored a script up, but I, I feel like just between the couple of things we've thrown out here, like uh, you've taken what's a B minus and probably elevated it to an A. For them to have had an entire season between Equinox 1 and Part 2 and for this to be the best they could come up with is, is a real head-scratcher. Like, what the fuck? It's disappointing. Like, it's this is not a bad
0: episode by any stretch of the imagination, but is such a miss because there was all this potential that was laid out. And they didn't allow themselves to fully take advantage of it. And instead... It's the standard Voyager uh, great idea, bad execution rush product that we have come to grudgingly enjoy for what it is, uh, but still lament. Uh, You know, the, the, the end result here, the big, the big uh, crescendo is Ransom finally cops to his own guilt about what he has done and that this has to end. And, Th- that he does have a choice And his choice can be that he can Get his people over to Voyager And he can accept the responsibilities uh, For what he has done uh, That being kill these aliens And He tries to do that His, uh, his uh, First officer, uh, Burke Is like, no, I'm actually a total
1: sociopath Now I'm down yeah, with murdering aliens
0: So uh, He's been fuck you
1: <laughs> Between season Six uh, Five in season six. Apparently he got a big bag of crazy pills and ate all of them. He, he's, he's like
0: uh, he had like a quick, uh, you know, a communicator uh, uh, scene with Bellana where he's like, uh, this is one Talking of our games shit
1: on Xbox Live with her.
0: Yeah, like uh, it's a shame. It's like you know, people are dying, and he just says it's a sh- uh, it's a shame that you have to be one of them, and just turns it off. Like, oh, okay, you're just a complete asshole. Then, like, you seem to be just a sort of ends justify the means. I'm my I'm my boss's bagman, and I'm willing to do the dirt because I'm in it to win it. To yeah, I'm just I just like killing things now. I'm just I'm a I'm a I'm a sociopath. It's fine.
1: Like, yeah. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> I, of a change I feel like Ransom's heel face turn like his decision that he wants to be a good guy after all and throw himself to Voyager's mercy somehow I feel like it was justified like it didn't seem unearned it seemed like he did have a legitimate breakthrough I'd say it's good acting and, and the the plot steps were there That when he's like, you know, we're going to try it the right way and I'm going to face up because that was one of the things that he mentioned a few times back in part one was like, I don't want to sit in a brick. There was definitely a fear component to why he ran and him accepting responsibility for what had been done and his desire to atone like it felt good. I was like, maybe this is going to turn out pretty interesting after all. And instead, yeah, uh, Burke going two dimensional evil guy and uh, pulling a mutiny uh, offsets that so blonde engineering lady's like, all right, I'm going to take him down to the brig. Instead, she takes him down to engineering and is like, "Hey, I'm on your side after all." And he's like, "Great, we're going to undermine Burke and and try and wrestle this thing out of the trash fire." So the plan
0: is to transport uh, all of the remaining Equinox crew members over to Voyager. Um, she, you know, this requires him to contact Janeway and he says, listen, this is my plan. This is what we're going to do. Uh, I was going to just surrender, but Burke has decided that he's not down for that. So I'm going to, going to do this instead. And, and the other like side of the, this needed more time. Janeway immediately goes from, I am willing to make deals with aliens to kill you to sate my vengeance and also i've imprisoned my first officer and probably my closest friend over my desire to kill you uh to okay now that's fine like that like just in an instant like what the why? fuck <laughs> what why it's like what
1: <laughs> why? but why do? her you know, we, we talk about how she's at the mercy of writing and that sometimes she's great and sometimes she's terrible and sometimes she's dumb. It just like her character may as well be a set of wind chimes and, and she'll sing the song whatever way the breeze is blowing. It is, it's almost infuriating. Like, if any other captain in Star Trek was this wishy-washy on stuff, man, um... There is another space combat exchange where uh, Voyager starts getting its ass beat because evil EMH is still broadcasting on a secret subspace band to Equinox and feeding it inside info. Any other time in Star Trek, you'll recall when Harry Kim was trying to talk to his 90s hottie girlfriend in the STD episode, right? Right. And everybody on the bridge, it's like Tuvok, Chakotay, and Paris are all instantly aware about the secret signal going out, And that's like a Federation wonder child, Harry Kim, ultimate engineer, sneaking a signal out to to talk to his girlfriend. You've got the fucking doctor sneaking these signals out, and nobody can figure it out. Finally, you know, they'll they'll close a loophole. And anyways, Equinox sends one of its billion... Photon torpedoes in. Fucked Voyager up pretty good. Voyager's like, okay, that's enough. Hammers it, blows up a warp nacelle in a really cool looking shot. uh, Equinox goes flying out of warp. And and it's rare you see a ship coming out of warp damage. So that looks cool. Voyager follows it. They're fighting. Uh, People are getting beamed around. Uh, Evil Burke is left up on the bridge with a few stupid loyal crew members and you got uh, ransom down in engineering trying to fly the ship away because apparently now it's finally going to blow up and he needs it to be safe. And I got to go down with the ship. I figured the space goblins were just going to ravage him, but instead he gets, you know, the, the hero death and it's uh ransom or it's max that gets, Punished, You know, he gets to experience the hell he he created for himself. Yeah, the the
0: ending is a good one. You know, he gets to have that heroic send off, you know, like, hey, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and go down with the ship and and uh, pay my penance, you know, get get my people home. And and uh, he puts on his little uh, beach simulator to die in a peaceful, you know, meditative pose on the Southern California coast and it's and it's beautiful and then uh i think to your surprise uh you get a scene where
1: there's suddenly new crew members on voyager (laughs) new crew members with names and stories and histories and i'm like wow i would have put full money that all of these people died this is amazing you got the blonde security guy who uh I forget who he held at gunpoint. You got the alpha vampire blonde lady. I forget who's in there. And you get Janeway dressing them all down about stripping rank. They're just crewmen now. Uh, they're going to have to earn their keep. She got the wool pulled over eyes, blah, 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 blah. And out we're going to march you. And I'm like, damn, that's some really good opportunity here. But the door she sends him out is actually the door labeled never to be seen from again, with the exception of one security guy that memory alpha says he shows up in one other episode as a a background member. So huge miss.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They set this up and then did nothing with it, Uh, particularly because they had like, you know established personalities like you said over the course of two episodes where we got to see them in action where i would have loved to have seen a a episode you know down the line of marla gilmore trying to like work in engineering and gain the trust of the people that she betrayed right because she's got this you know warm personality like we saw that in the first one you know
1: she interacted with uh with Naomi wildman and all this other stuff and you know who is this lady was she super expensive and we could never use her again like are people just pissed that Ron Moore wrote her into to live? And they're like, fuck it. We're never using her again. Like,
0: I will say the best part of this closing scene is it may be the longest single shot scene for this entire show that we've seen to date. Uh, the The last scene starts at the beginning of that briefing room dressing down and then goes to the end of the episode. So that is all one shot, one shot. And it starts in the briefing room. She dresses them down. She does all of that. They leave. She's with Chakotay. He comes into frame behind her. They leave together to go onto the bridge. The camera is like, you know, kind of comes up and follows them. Uh, you know, uh, Janeway comes in uh, to the forefront of the bridge while uh, uh, Chakotay's in the back. First, Chakotay in, in, is in focus. And then it's Janeway and they have all their dialogue and it ends with them finding Voyager's dedication plaque on the ground. It's really cool. It's very cinematic way they do all of that, right? It's very movie-like and uh, a high level of technical skill that, again, we don't see a lot in Voyager. Uh, we don't typically see a lot in TV of this era, so it was neat that they did all of that. And it's a very uh, – if I'm not to put too much on point, it's a very Battlestar Galactica move, right? When you think about kind of the, the, the way they would do camera work and – and walk and talks in that show. It's like that. Um, the, the ending dialogue is an attempt to bridge the gap back between Janeway and Chakotay, but it is definitely an awkward one. Uh, you know, he, they're, they're talking about, Oh, we're going to go do a potluck that Neelix is putting together to up crew morale. kind of walking around the bridge. It's, Super fucked up. Like Chicote's making a point of like looking at the damage. Janeway has this clearly pained expression on her face because she's sort to reckon to the the moral damage that she's done as a consequence of her actions. And eventually, like just approaches the issue with Chicote to say, like, you would have had reason to, you know, mutiny yourself. Like there was there was cause. And then Chicote says, Yeah, and uh I did think about it. I was on the table, uh, but I chose not to because I thought I would be crossing the line. And that's kind of where they leave that, right? Like, you know, yeah, I did. I thought about it. I thought about mutinying the ultimate crime against you. And you admit, I wouldn't have been completely wrong to do so. So that's weird. It's going to be weird now. And it's such a great setup for, like you said, a whole season worth of conflict between the two of them where like, there's a serious, uh, uh, you know, rift that is formed is because of, of what happened here and they they really leave you with that impression that that's going to be the case or
1: and then it would have been a not. great time if we're going <laughs> to add an extra six minutes into the episode some sort of reflection of Jane where she says I don't know what came over me I've never been that mad about anything in my life maybe this has exposed a character flaw to me or had she had a reasonable reason for going off the deep end to reflect on, just just how much it bothered her. But instead, it's like the the fever breaks, and the the crazy Janeway that was willing to sacrifice the entire ship to get ransom is gone, and she has no no acknowledgement whatsoever that uh, that was just way off character for her. So,
0: allow me allow me to quote. Ron Moore's criticism of this episode oh, from boy. the man himself. <laughs> this
1: is just, I was wondering if we were going to get into this because we're already at an hour, 17 minutes. Like, I, th- I, I think this, this was, is worth it, though. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot in the Memory Alpha about Ron Moore's actual like comments about this. Yeah, Whatever he, good plot you thought was in this episode is nothing compared to Ron Moore going both barrels in the Memory Alpha. <laughs>
0: Uh, you know, and, and and some of what he has to say is obviously quite good about how, uh, you know, and uh, what the potential was for this episode. And we've touched on that. But this this to me is the part that that struck me. The things that Janeway does in Equinox don't work because it's not about anything. She's not really grappling with her inner demons. She's not really under the gun and suffering to the point where you can understand the decision she's made. She just kind of gets cranky and bitchy. She's having a bad day, and these things keep popping around on her bridge. And we just keep cutting the shots of people grabbing phaser rifles and shooting and hitting the red alert sign over and over again. It doesn't signify anything. It's kind of an emblematic of the show. There's a lot of potential and there's a lot of sauce and sizzle going on in a lot of episodes, but to what end? What are we trying to do? What are we trying to touch in the audience? What are we trying to say? What are the things we're trying to explore? What are we doing in this episode? That was my fundamental question. I mean, what else can you say, right? Like the dude, the dude gets it
1: and he gets why, what doesn't work? What else could you say? Uh, You could say the entire second paragraph where he goes on to further criticize it. Like I, I, I'll be very interested watching the memory alpha for the next couple episodes while he's in that writings room and, what else he's saying and unsurprisingly it'll go on to say that this shaped the Pegasus experiences and crisis that uh, BSG will encounter um, where we see what could have been here kind of realized differently and and much better I would argue in BSG so it's also like the entirety of Battlestar
0: Galactica can be seen through the lens of Voyager in a way that I think is is not is underrated like you know, Battlestar Galactica is not about Starfleet and terrorists. It's about military members and civilians. Okay, and now they're a unit, and they have to learn to get together. And it's not, it's not uh, Janeway and Chakotay. It's Admiral Adama, or you know, originally Commander Adama, uh, and President Roslin, who have to learn to cooperate from different worlds and and make a, a whole unit out of what they have left. You know, like. It's clear that his interpretation of BSG was I'm going to do Voyager, but with blackjack and hookers. In some cases, literally. So, like uh, it's it's uh, it's really something to see some of his commentary. Uh, you know, this was three years, I guess, before he actually did Battlestar Galactica. I think that came out in 2000. No, maybe four years, 2003. I think I was in, I was in college
1: when Battlestar Galactica started. So we've. We've laid out a lot of different ways. I think this episode would have been much better sticking to the actual series of events as it played out with a little bit more character justification uh, for Janeway, uh, much more work added to to make the Doctor stuff uh, execute better. I think it would have been just as happy, probably even more happy, had the resolution of this plot line been like, on the equinox we do things different and at the end of the day janeway you have no authority over us we have no authority over you and unless we're willing to come to blows uh which starfleet captains do not make war with themselves you know we can both just be unhappy with each other and go our own separate ways and and kind of rekindle the potential that was seska where you had a season-long antagonist creating problems for voyager to encounter further in its travels uh with the ultimate resolution bridging at the end of season six taking us into seven where starfleet does finally have to confront its own demons and there has to be a reckoning
0: i remember us talking about these kinds of themes season one you know i really do uh it's it's a fascinating look into a show that could have been but ultimately wasn't is is the bottom line for Equinox part 2. Um next episode is actually Ron Moore's only sole writing credit for the entire show. What is it?
1: Season 6 episode 2 Survival Instinct and we have what looks like uh 7 of 9 back in her old uh full Borg regalia which if that's the case I'm sure she's going to be thrilled the last time we saw her borged up was living witness. Right. Which again, that was the last time I want to say seven of nine got damseled up was, uh, when living witness, like those crazy terrorists boarded the ship and held her somehow at phaser point. Like it's so unbelievable when she gets got, but whatever, uh, eager for a culture exchange and friendly contact at a space outpost. Janeway makes her big mistake she always makes, and grants shore leave to her crew and rolls out the welcome mat for visitors. This is a
0: really fascinating episode uh, in terms of uh, character development and uh, sort of like uh, some background on on Borg and uh, there's a lot of nuance to it. It's definitely, you can tell it was in the hands of someone like Ron Moore. So I think we'll enjoy reviewing this one. All right, man, looking forward to it we look forward to having you with us on our next voyage. Please tune in for our review next week. See ya.